Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passions, and that's what I'm going to do for you when you listen to Money Making Conversation. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life will present to you. The Money Making Conversation interviews provide relatable information to you as a listener about career and financial financial planning, entrepreneurship, motivation, leadership, overcoming the odds, and how to live a balanced life. My next guest is a true young rising star in Hollywood, and I'm a big fan of his talents. He's an accomplished singer, dancer, and actor. He first came on my radar when he starred in the movie Slight, but that was one of many movies he has been seen in, such as Collateral Beauty, Detroit, Crystal, Candy Jar. Box office hits include Ride Along and The Maze Runner. Now you can see him every Sunday night starring in season three of Showtime's original series, The Shy, where he plays the character Emmett Washington. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Jacob Lattimore. Hey. <laughs> hey, Jacob, like hey, Jacob, when I was saying your name, man, I had to start laughing, man, because that character, man. <laughs> oh, man. Can yeah, I, can I, I'm just a Jacob. Can I trust him, man? Can I trust, can I trust Emmett? Nah, man, can't trust him. <laughs> but, that, but that's a that's the beauty of that character, the frustration of your mom. But let's talk about your career, man, because you've been in the game. You're a young guy, and um, yeah. successes came your way. And a lot of people, uh, my my career as a producer, writer, manager over the years, I've had a lot of success and still having success. And seeing a young talent mm -hmm. like you come into the game, can you talk about how you got started, Jacob? Yeah, well, um, you know, music ran in my, you know, runs in my family. Right. My dad and my uncles, uh, you know, sing gospel music. And Kenny Lattimore is my cousin, my grandfather, and my uncle Joe, rest in peace, who you know had their own group mm -hmm. when they were younger. Um, so I just grew up in a house full of musicians and singers. Right. And, uh, I was always, you know, just hearing acapella and. And just I was absorbing so much as a child, and then uh, I would see you know performances and music videos and limos being uh, parked outside to you know pick up my dad and my uncles for them to go to L.A. when they were signing MCA in the mm -hmm. early 2000s. And I was just I just seen this lifestyle. I was just like, what's this? You know, right. and I want to do it. Right. You know what I mean? And, uh, but you gotta have the talent uh, to do it, though, Jacob. Gotta have the talent to do it. Exactly. So, so I was just. I, I was absorbing. I was. I started practicing. You know, uh, as early as six years old. Wow. Got, a, got into the studio at nine years old. Right. So when you when you, when did you realize you had the talent? Because everything's cute. You know, you're a young kid. You know, people. He's right. cute. He can dance. Dance for the song, mommy. Dance for the song, Jake. Come on, come on. And then all of a sudden, right. you realize he has some, he has a gift. When did that realization yeah. come on come come to you and the people surrounding you? Um, I think it was uh. It was more so like, I think they seen how serious I was taking it beyond just, um, you know, just wanting to sing. I feel like I, my, my uncle brought up something really funny. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounded like something I would say. He said well, I was about seven or eight years old or something like that. 
And then my uncle was like, hey, Jake, little, little Jake, you want some McDonald's? And he said that I said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, nah, Unc, um, uh, I, I got to be on stage and, you know, I'm about to do this artist thing. So I got to watch my figure. I can't eat McDonald's. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and he said he died laughing. He was like, what? Right. He was like, you'll figure. Right. And I was just like, and for me to know that I love to work out so much and I like to, I like to generally stay in, in shape. Know, solid shape. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I was like, I don't remember that, but it definitely sounded like something I would say. And I just think that I just took it so serious. I was, I was waking up rehearsing on my own and I was studying so many different performers and, 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 and listening to so many songs. The Temptations movie was one of my favorite movies and, uh, B2K was one of my favorite groups. I was just in front of the television, just absorbing so much of the entertainment uh, of it. I was just like, I think, I think they were just like, let's put them in the studio. Right. Let's, let's do it. Right. And then, um, so your education was, was just your, just your life, right? Just watching your family, watching people around you being successful, realizing that, you know, that's an option. That yeah. was kind of like you were mentored by the opportunity because, you know, if, if mm-hmm. your father's an engineer, you might watch how he goes to work every day. You become an engineer of somebody who seeks higher education. Exactly. Exactly. As, as a child, you absorb, you know, what your parents are doing and the lifestyle they live in. And you sort of, you know, either you fall in love with it or you don't, but I, I just happen to really, to really fall in love with it and, uh, and want to do it. And, and also just take it to the next level with my acting career and, 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 and dive into so many different other things. So it was, it's, it's been a huge blessing. I think, you know, my family's real proud just to, you know, see me like squirming around in the living room, dancing and singing all day. Uh, you know, my, my grandfather said, man, you didn't really dance and shake yourself into a career. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, that sounds like, sound like a grandfather's statement, right, boy? Yeah. Boy, he, you yeah. made something about yourself. Yeah, yeah. He didn't, he didn't, yeah, he, he always said that too. You know, he, he like, they always repeat stuff. So right. <laughs> he said all the time. Yeah. It's so. Well, you know, that that's really it. You're a good looking guy. So how did the dancing come about? I got the singing and then that, and if you're a good singer, sometimes you can transition to the acting. How did the dancing became mm-hmm. a major part of your portfolio? Oh, you know, my dad got real good rhythm and my mom actually used to dance too right. um, when she was young. So, uh, and then I just, I don't know, I just fell in love with like dancing. I don't know. I think I, I started absorbing myself. Uh, around dancers too. When I once I got to Atlanta, right, uh, I started going to these like dance competitions. It's, uh, it was a thing they were doing at this club. It was called Dance Invasion. The right. young kids would be battling, and you know you just absorbed around all these great dancers here in Atlanta. And I just started making friends with them, having ciphers, having dance battles, and just being around dancers. You know, and then they were like, "Yo, like." And I was taking classes every now and then, but mostly it was just like Natural. really just just being around them, man. Yeah, like everything, every like everything I wanted to do, I just put my mind to it, and I just I did it. You wow. know, it was it's been it's been dope. Well, you know the great thing about I'm speaking to Jacob Lattimore, one of the stars of the incredible uh, Showtime original series, The Shy. Uh, it's, a, it's a family show. It's a community show. It's a sometimes the uh, the realism of the series can uh, make you angry. Make you wish mm-hmm. the characters would do something differently, and you you root for people, then they then they fail you. But but I want to move back a little bit when I first saw you in the movie Slack, yeah. when you played the magician, uh, street magician, yeah. and that uh-huh. was a starring role for you, Jacob. How, yeah. You know that's a lot to. 
to 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 realize. Talk about that opportunity, yeah. how it was presented to you, and then the whole process of taking that 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 knowledge that this movie is you're starring in, and you have to carry the weight of this movie. Yeah, it was um. Actually, you know, I didn't, I I don't think I thought about it that hard because I think my second film, uh, Black Nativity, was so the schedule was so heavy and mm-hmm. I, I, the, the amount of scenes I was doing, you know, next to like Forrest Whitaker and like Angela Bassett and, and memorizing all these big. Oh, that star power! That star power put pressure on you right there. You just said too yeah, many yeah, to so start. <laughs> yeah, that experience alone was so heavy for me, and uh, so by the time I got to a film like Slight, which I filmed Black Nativity for about a month and a half. I filmed Slight in two weeks. Really? Which was, yeah, yeah. Slight was an independent film for right. like, like two, 250 grand. You know what I mean? Like, But it was, it was real... fantastic, man. I, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. telling you something, man. I'm waiting on Slight 2. It, it was that good to me. And the characterizations and the emotional. It was, it was, what I'm saying is that two weeks, man, that's a lot of emotion and range that you showed in that big screen. Yeah. Op- date to uh, debate right there. That was amazing what you were doing, man. And it was just two weeks, and that's how independent productions usually happen. They don't have the budget, the catering, or the crew to mm-hmm. hang around. And usually say, "Hey, man, look, I'm gonna squeeze this in my schedule, but this ain't my real money." And that's how. But but it, it allowed me to see you as a as a, a really brilliant young actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. It was it was incredible. You know, um, I was out in L.A. and was so was so. Sh- funny about slide slide was the only film that i had booked that year mm-hmm. and i was kind of stressing out man to be honest like i was auditioning like crazy and i was getting a lot of no's you know it was just like you're a star but we don't feel like you're right for this role and like, i kept getting that that answer like yeah you're a star and jacob's a star but it's just i don't know he's maybe too cool for this one or like maybe he's too much of a star for this role because mm-hmm. i was auditioning for like you know the uh, like the 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 second row for uh, next to the leading role, and they were like, "Well, he probably outshined the star. He's just wow. such a star." You know, I was just, and I was like, "Man, come on, man, book me in a movie. I'm trying to work." <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. So uh, that's 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 where my mind was, and then uh, I remember uh, we took Slight to Sundance, the top of the next year, mm-hmm. and then I got a phone call saying that I booked Collateral Beauty with Will Smith. Mm. I flew to New York two weeks later, worked with Will. After the Will Smith movie, uh, they said, uh, you're going to work with William H. Macy um, mm. on this independent film called Crystal. And then after that, I booked Detroit. So I did those three films in one year after a, a year prior of just barely working, you know, because Slight was only two weeks of that year. And... Uh, <laughs> So I was like, I was really just stressing out, to be honest. But how did you that, maintain? That was, how did you? Was it did family play a role in that? Did your faith play a role in that? Being able to overcome that frustration of people saying, "What they, what they know you're talented, but hey, we're gonna pass on this one." Rent's due, checks are due, checks aren't coming in, food needs to be in your belly. What's going on right there? Yeah, honestly, man, um, I, I was staying with one of my my best friends. I actually, just saw him a few days ago. His uh, his name is Dexter Darden. I, I stayed out with in LA with him at his apartment. He had like a guest room and bathroom and I was just sort of renting out. I was paying him monthly and I was just like, man, you know, I'm coming out to LA. I want to audition. I just want to get out here and grind. And then, um, yeah, like he was really, really supportive. He's like, you know, a really good friend 
of mine, uh, we actually met on the Maze Runner set. Right. He actually plays, he plays Fry Pan mm-hmm. and, uh, and Maze Runner, all three Maze Runners, actually. And, um, yeah, he's he's like a really supportive friend because I was away from my mom and my dad. I really wasn't. That was like my first time really being out on my own, you know. It's almost like going to college. It was like going to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was out there on my own, you know. So um, I just had a great support system, even with my friends. You know what I mean? I was choosing my friends wisely. I was choosing, you know, I was choosing to, you know, call my family and just let them know, you know. And they were giving me a lot of um, just encouragement. And I just always knew I was going to book something because I feel like even though they they were saying no, they were saying I was a star, which which felt good but i was just like man i need some work but i just knew something was gonna come and i knew the right role was gonna land uh and i just knew a lot of people saw something in me and i'm my agents were like look this happens all the time sometimes it could be a year of no's and then like the next year could be just full of work so and be ready hollywood is to to be ready be at that that, starting line being at at, when they say go be ready that's what hollywood's all about it can be frustrating but it also can be oh it also can be like wow this is why i want to do this and one of the movies you played in was detroit detroit when i look at the civil unrest now that we all Mm -hmm. are experiencing now and during this time of pandemic you know you did that of course you did that movie prior to the george floyd and all the situations that are with brianna taylor and all these things that have been going on on a regular basis. Now, mm-hmm. Talk to us about did you when you do you look back on that movie now and think about what's going on right now in the uh, in the world today? Not only just in the U.S. but oh. the world in general. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like um, you know, we we thought we thought that film would really obviously. I think the longevity of it still speaks volumes, but we really thought it would go it it would it would blow up much bigger than it did. You know what I mean? Because we were touching on something so, so relevant. But I think the the reality of it was no one really wanted to go to a movie theater and see something that they seen on CNN every day. And, uh, you know, and it was just like, it was hard for people to watch it, man. It was like, at the time, I, it I really was hard. I mean, you can tell you that. I watched it at the house. Yeah. It was difficult because yeah. it was the truth. It was the truth. Yeah. Yeah. People were like, man, I need a cigarette or I need a drink. You know, people were leaving the the theater and I was just like I was like wow like it's and, and people come out crying they would come out and hug us and it was uh it was really emotional so the impact was was so dope and uh just to to know that film still speaks volumes and been speaking volumes over these years uh, and and it'll speak volumes after we're gone and after our careers are done you know so I'm happy I was able to get a film like that under my belt, and I, I, I usually try to do a variety of different films. Well, you do, you know, and uh, the 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 ability to be able to go from you know, because Maze Runner was a sci-fi, you know, and then you had a, you know, Ride Along was a comedy, and Detroit was just dramatic, and then of course, slight a true starring role. To me, that was to me that was the movie that set it for me as a fan of Jacob Lattimore. I became a fan, Jacob. I'm waiting on Slight too. Can you do a Go Find Me or something, brother? Something, something. Man, you- you know what's so funny? I actually reached out to the director, um, and I was uh, uh, JD Dillon. I was like, "Hey man, what you what you think about a slide two? He was like, "I just don't know if I'm interested." And wow. I was just like, <laughs> "Wow!" He was like, he was like, "I just want to do I want to do something different with you, man. I just want to do like something different, you know." He, he said, "I'm working on this different film. I, I want to send you the script." Okay. So I think um, for him, it was slight was like a, a step for him and you know, a phase for him. Like he, he, he created a, a story, but I think, um, 
I think yeah, he just he just loves what we did already. Absolutely, and, uh, I, think, I, I, I yeah, yeah. No argument. I'm just as a producer, as a guy who looks at the talented person, and I see how sequels do well, and I see this is a it's a lot of things could have come out of that series, a, a, a Netflix series, or a, a you know a, a yeah. weekly series, it, a lot because it was just that good, and it was just that personal, and you were, and you yeah. play a young character, which I felt was relatable to what's going on right. in the in the Marvel universe right now, but. But but right now, yeah, yeah. right now you're starting in the shot. How did that come well, about? Okay. And this character, I'm gonna tell you something, man. I don't know <laughs> if I, um, I if if I was your big brother, I'd, I'd hit you in the chest, dead center in your chest. <laughs> yeah, man. And yeah. act until you get your life together, boy. It ain't in your pants. <laughs> your life ain't in your pants. It's in your head, above you your shoulder. That. So tell us how that you character came about. How you your audition. Um, honestly, man, it was, um, it was, I, I think I auditioned maybe three or three times. Right. Uh, w once was on tape, then I flew out to LA, um, had, it was like maybe four other people auditioning for Emmett and they were kind of throwing us in and out the room with different, um, actresses that were going to play the, mo the mother role. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I met Yolanda who, who's casting now and I was seeing her and then, I just didn't know what was going on. I just wanted to go in there and just, you know, be myself and have a lot of personality. And, um, you know, luckily it came out my way. I think uh, we got right to work and I just, I fell in love with it. It was like, you know, I felt, I really, I was really nervous to be honest because obviously um, different Chicago projects hadn't really like nailed, you know, the city. You know, they didn't really, a lot of people didn't, you know, uh, appreciate some of the prior projects that were right. about Chicago. Right. And I was just like, man, we gotta, we gotta be dope. We gotta mm -hmm. be fly. We gotta be fresh. You know what I mean? I was, I remember you right down the road from, Boston. you right up the road from Chicago, Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, and that was the beauty too, you know, to just like be able to, you know, work where my family could kind of, you know, drive and come mm -hmm. see me too. It was, right. you know, it's only an hour, about an hour. And Absolutely, time. I lived in so Chicago drive, five years. So. Very familiar with Chicago. We're gonna talk about that a little bit. But you know, the beauty yeah, of yeah. this, when you say keep it real, like I lived in Chicago five years from twenty twelve to twenty sixteen, and uh, mm -hmm. and you're right. You know the. Uh, the uh, Chicago is an amazing city. You know, it's a very yeah. the summer is a very violent city. A lot of people aren't aware of that. I don't know what happens to black people up there, but on the major holidays, they seem to want to shoot each other, and that's sad. And and and, mm -hmm. and it's captured in this in this series because there's a lot of hope, but there's a lot of tragedy. Talk about season one, season two, season three. Has your as your how your character has developed each season, Emmett? I call you Emmett, but I know you, Jacob. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I think we we definitely seeing him grow in areas, um, and then definitely see where his weaknesses continue to be. You know, what, what is his weakness? Uh, what is his weakness, Jacob? Women. What is his weak? Women, women. The women. fortune teller told you what your weakness was. <laughs> <laughs> the fortune teller. He said, he said, "Your biggest divorce." When I when I first when we had the table read, I said, "Oh my god, I, I can't believe this lady just said that." So was, uh, <laughs> right in front of Tiff, who played yeah. your girlfriend, it was the mother of your child, one of your children, one I of knew, your children. I knew, I knew once we shot that, it was gonna go crazy. I was like, "Oh my goodness, this scene about to go wild." Right, right, so, right. Um, it, it what's so dope about the shot is that I'm able to dive into it, keep diving into a character every year, like. 
you know, with Slider, like other films I've done, I only had one opportunity. Right. You know, but with Shy, with the Shy, I just keep, I, every year I find new ways to be Emmett, you know, and bring out, you know, his personality, his swag, and, and dig deeper into, you know, who Emmett was or, you know, who he is now. So it's just, um, it's it's really fun. It's really fun. I it, feel it's like a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, Jacob, because you know, like you have this is acting, man. This is a gift that you have. See, you have this it's like it's like a, a kid getting caught sticking a hand in a cookie jar look that you have. You know, like what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? what's the problem? What's the problem? That what your problem look that you have mastered is what make your character work for me because you keep getting into trouble after trouble after trouble right. and it's all like it's always like with your hands out what's wrong what's the problem what's the problem right right exactly yeah it's just it, it's it's so fun to play to play him I feel like it wasn't until I played the shot where I feel like I impacted uh, people on a different level I, I think I think I've I've played some really incredible roles but the shy has really um, made a stamp on the culture. Like when I walk down the street, people don't even call me Jacob. They call me Emmett. They call me Yeah, I was <laughs> I was in Cleveland not too long ago, um, out there getting some education on some stuff and then like I would stop at a gas station or stop at a restaurant and they'd be like, Yo, 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 where Keisha at? You know, like it's just well, you know, where, where, where you where you know where you know, Jacob. Let's be real now. You know yeah. that Emmett character is a highly sex charged character. So I'm sure people look at you from a lady's perspective yeah. from a different angle now. No, yeah, it's definitely been different. I think I even think a lot of people just now realizing that I Emmett is Jacob, which is who's me. I'm just like. And like, I just realized Jacob, I'm seeing a lot of these tweets now. I'm just realizing Jacob Lattimore is playing Emmett on the show. I've been watching this show for two seasons. I didn't know that was Jacob. And I was just like, I'm like, well, I must be really in it then. Cause <laughs> well, you, well, you know, the thing about, here's the, here's the interesting thing about our relationship. You know, like, when I'm, I've been doing my main conversation a couple of years. And when the show came on the shy, you know, they were just, they was told to bring, you know, let's get Jacob on your show. Just get him on your show so you can interview him. And I'm glad I waited. Uh, we just couldn't connect because talking about your character now is a really great opportunity because the beginning of the, first of all, this season, they brought on some great additional cast members. My, my, my boy, Luke James. Oh my God. What he's yeah. doing in that character. Yeah. Candy Burroughs. Wow. She's nailing it. Nailing Thank it. You. And then Lil yeah. Real, you know, yeah. Zeke yeah. playing the character Zeke. So bringing comedy, yeah. but you know how he does it. He can play serious, but actually he's so funny that it comes across like a joke every time he opens his door. Right. And, and so, right, exactly. and that's, that's what you're saying when you, when you got the chance to play against Will Smith, you know, Angela Bassett, you bring on all this additional talent. It causes you as a talent to step up your game as well. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, that's the beauty of having a great cast. You know, we all can, help out each other and uh motivate each other to do to do better and that it makes a great show and the, you know as long as the chemistry is amazing um we can always we can always make a scene work you know so it's it's been it's been a blessing because let's set the stage of where you at with the character i got brought on lala anthony she's your supposedly uh business partner but we found out last night she's a little bit more than your business partner sir and then you have yeah. tiff you are living at the home with your mom on the sofa you know tiff yeah. sells she kind of she hadn't got a license yet but she kind of sells weed that's the way she brings money into the household and so then right. you have these other characters 
that out there. Keisha, she was she was being held captive by this crazy guy in the basement of his home. You have Ronnie out there trying to redeem himself. But the season opened this year, which you are uh, in tears, which I thought was an, an amazing moment when I see an actor able to deliver an emotional yeah. moment like that. Tell us how you, you know, because you were, that was the, that was the, that was the funeral moment at the opening mm-hmm. scene of the season. How did you yeah. get there emotionally to deliver that type of moment in the opening, the premiere season of the third season, premiere episode of the third season? Gotcha. Um, honestly, I'm a crier anyway. You know, if I feel like crying, I'm a crier. <laughs> don't say, don't uh, say it's easy because I'm a crier too. I'm a crier too. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'll cry. I'm like, yo, it's time to cry. I'll be back. You know, um, uh, I think for me, I had just lost a cousin uh, earlier that year. So I was, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't too long ago that I was, you know, at a funeral mm-hmm. and, uh, it just kind of hit home, you know, for, for me and my personal life. Um, and just, I think the energy of a funeral, the energy of the casket, um, it's just, it's strong, you know, without just being there was just, alone was just, um, I've never been a pallbearer before carrying the casket to the, to the, to the car before. I just, I've never, I've never been in that position so uh to feel that weight of the the casket to be that close was just it, it just felt all too real to be honest right and uh i just let it flow i let it flow and i think you know the director was like let's just let's film let's get it let's mm-hmm. get it they're, mm-hmm. they're in it they're mm-hmm. in it. so mm-hmm. and everybody had tears you know a lot of changes were made i think that was just that was kind of sad too to be honest i was just like man you know um it's just so much, so much change, and uh, it just felt so real. But it felt like we were all growing too at the same time. So um, that's how I tapped in. That's just well, it, 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 it played a major role for me as far as uh, this whole series. When I, you know, the name of my show is Money Making Conversations, and I always bring people on to talk about how they run their business or how they plan their business. And when I look at your character, Emmett. You know, catering. You you did the opening catering, and you 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 got everybody to bring from different stores, and they wind up ordering pizza at the wedding. And so, <laughs> you, you make it, as a young startup business. If I had to use you as an example on my show, you make all the mistakes. Your character Emmett makes all the mistakes. Is he ever gonna get it right, or or that's revealing too much of the upcoming episodes? You know what I always learned just in business? Yes, sir. Double your rate of double your rate of failure. Double your rate of failure because in the end you gonna know you're gonna know all the mistakes you made and you're gonna be successful. So I think that like Emmett is really human right now. I feel like he's like business wise, I feel like he's he's I, I feel like that's the only area he's really grown in, to be honest. Like Absolutely. That's why I'm excited about it, Jacob. That character because yeah, yeah. I'm rooting for it bec- but then when you had the moment with Dom, that just like come yeah. on, Emmett, please. Right. But I, I think like for that, that is like that's a separate thing, right? I feel like maybe he hasn't really developed into maybe, you know, one A man, like, a responsible man. Yeah. Yeah, responsible man in a relationship. But I feel like when it comes to when it comes to business, I feel like he's wrapping his head around how business goes, how how to market, how to brand something, how to put pieces together, how to be a leader. Um, you know, if he doesn't know how to cook, okay, I'm gonna find a chef and I'm gonna there you go. run the run the cash register. I'm gonna, you know, uh, you know, oversee things. So I think he's growing in that area, but obviously women is just I think is always gonna be a, a challenge. A weakness for, him, for this young brother. 
that I will hit in the chest and say, come on, Emmett, step up, yeah. step your game up, get it right. Now, earlier yeah. in that conversation, you said that it was really important that this particular show about Chicago got it right. Because yeah. other shows, hey, you know, black people complain. That wasn't us. You know, it was a poor portrayal. Yeah. What do you feel? Yeah. The, the Shy, which is on Showtime every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. What are you guys doing right on that show, Jacob? That makes me excited. I, I can tell you, but again, I'm a fan. As an as, yeah. as an actor, as a guy who's in the streets, people re, are re, responding to your character so well. What are you guys doing right about the characterization of Chicago in this? Um, I think just touching on real issues, uh, you know, missing young women, um, gang activity. Um, I think that, you know, we also just touching on just real human beings, like real relatable situations that not only just maybe go on in Chicago, um, but like maybe that go on in other hoods of the country. You know what I mean? So right. I think that... Uh, it's it's finding a way to relate to Chicago, but it's also finding a relate to relate to the the whole world, you know. And uh, if the language is right, I think Lena's just so tapped into you know the media and what's really going on in the streets. So right, um, you know that, and that's good to have. And a lot of the writers are from Chicago. That's awesome. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. I want to take you. I want to thank you for taking the time to come on Money Making Conversation. I'm gonna tell you something, Jacob. I'm a fan. Any any product when your song when you drop your song or you're doing anything out there other than the shot, please come on the show. I will promote it. I got a nice social media following over a million. I newsletter over ninety thousand fan club members. I just want to bring on the show, introduce you to my fans, and let them know how real you are, and and keep winning, my man. Keep winning. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. Be safe now. Thank you, there. Bye-bye. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Cars today are like computers on wheels, but you can't fix any of the new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code MONEY. Or visit CarShield.com and use code MONEY to save 10%. That's CarShield.com, code MONEY. A deductible may apply. My next guest is one of my favorite people in Hollywood. He's a serial entrepreneur. Businesses like Everybody Digital, Vineyard Finest, Only Only Sun Productions, Get It Done Records, Philanthropist with Demo Nerds, a nonprofit after school and summer program created to help young adults and children build self-esteem and confidence through the performing arts. I'm going to try to squeeze all this into him, but he's starring in a movie on Netflix that comes out. Netflix, the number one streamer in the world called Project Power. It drops August 14th. That's Friday on Netflix. Here's a short synopsis on the movie. An ex-soldier, that's Jamie Foxx, a teen that's played by Dominic Fishback, and a cop collide in New Orleans that they hunt for the source behind a dangerous new pill that grants user temporary superpowers. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, my friend, Alan Maldonado. (laughs) 
Hey, man, what an intro, man. <laughs> wow. Wow. Al, 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 you wow. know. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. Come on, man. Al, 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 you know we go back every time. And yes, you've been sir. on my show in a long time. You've been about, a year, about, about almost 18 months since you've been on the show. Yeah, it has, man. Well, time flies, man. It That's does, because wow. I think I think last time I brought you on, it was the premiere of a, a Last OG. I think that's the last time. Yeah, wow! That, yeah, that was a, yeah. That had to have been almost two years. At least yeah, two years and then you did that run on uh uh um the 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 that that um the LeBron James project. Uh, what's that? Yes, Survivor's Remorse. Yeah, that's yes, Remorse. Boy, that was yeah. a funny character yeah. you had on that yeah. show. Yeah. I brought you Appreciate on for that it, show. Man. So now, but every time yeah. I bring you on these shows, by with your money making conversation, I always got to talk about your serial entrepreneurship side. Because Thank that's you. so important because of the fact that you do it. You do it and you break it out. But, I, you know, Netflix, I got to honor Netflix. We got to talk about this movie because guess what? It's a great movie. It's Jamie Foxx. You're involved in it. Talk about, was it shot in New Orleans? Or was it, you know, was you know how they kind of shoot someplace in Vancouver, but it's not oh, really yeah, in New yeah, Orleans? Yeah, no, no. We shot that in, we shot that in New in, in Orleans. We mm-hmm. shot that down there, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to get the assets. We had to get the... You can't fake New Orleans, right. man. Mm-hmm. Not if you want it. Not if you want. Not if you want it to be right. right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, now we shot it down there. I play uh, the partner to uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, as we're police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm more of the straight and, and narrow, right. uh, by the book type of character, which mm-hmm. is a, a vastly different from uh, a lot of the other characters I know. you mentioned earlier. What you hold on? <laughs> repeat this, Alan. You are a normal character. That's what you're trying to say to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a straight up by the book police <laughs> officer. You know, I'm not with the with the shenanigans, sir. I'm strictly by the book. Um, that doesn't say that doesn't say that he's not funny. But, right, um, right, right. It's uh, it's definitely a contrast to the kind of rebellious and um, independent thinking of, of Joseph's character. So uh, I'm, I'm you talk about I'm excited about you're excited to see the movie. I'm excited. See the movie right. myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those films that even if I wasn't in it, after seeing the trailer, I'm locked in. You, you, like I'm, you will I'm, be locked I'm, in. I'm, you tell you telling the truth now. In. Come on, Alan, yes, one more time. I'm locked in, man. So, um, shout out to the directors, Henry and Ariel. Like they, they, they presented a project and executed it in such a way that it's um, it's inspiring in hearing their story and them sharing to me actually you know how they got from idea to now we're on set man and uh just inspired by their story um of just going out and doing it and, and just to kind of segue back to that to the uh, serial entrepreneur um tone of mm-hmm. the interview like even in the arts it was a business on and how they took the idea developed it, put it together, packaged it, and then went to go sell this idea, this art form as a product. So um, even in even as an artist, you you must have a business foundation in order to succeed. Right. 
Right. We're talking to Alan Malden- Maldonado. Uh, he's just mm-hmm. he's one of the co-stars in the new Netflix. And Netflix is the number one streaming platform in the world. It, it, when this movie comes out, it will premiere in 190 countries. You know, this is what Netflix is. You know, Netflix is changing the game and it's changing the game, especially for uh, African-American film projects, because generally mm-hmm. a movie like this, just Jamie Foxx, he's a global name, but generally movies like this premiere only domestically. They open domestically. They may get some minor support depending in different markets, but it'll never be a worldwide that 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 Netflix brings to the table. And just uh, the impact has had, you know, Tyler Perry opened up in January. You know, that movie was off the chain. Then it came back with eviction. Then it came back with that. The Tiger King during the pandemic was off the chain. Yeah, and, yeah, and then, uh, yeah. The Five Bloods, Old Guard just popped off a few few months, two uh, weeks ago. Yeah. Now they're coming yeah. back right now with the Power Project. Yeah. The Project Power is the name. Project Power. Excuse me. Not, yeah, not Project Power. Power yeah. Power. And, yeah. and the, so how do you get cast in a movie like this? Because first of all, no insult. You know, I know you got a resume, but you oh, still yeah. got an audition, well, no, right? I was, um, yeah, well, this is, the, you know, what's interesting um, is that I was uh, actually in New York. I think I was filming uh, season two of The Last OG mm-hmm. at the time when they called me to do an audition. So I, I just did, I put an audition on tape. Um mm-hmm. Uh, in New York, and, and, and my boy, because it was hold like, up, it was like a car scene. See, see, I got to laugh, because you, this is a normal character, so you put this on tape now. So, yeah, and yeah, I, I put it on you, tape. You know, it's I'm, a normal character. <laughs> <laughs> I put it on tape. It was simple. We did it. We knocked it out, and, mm-hmm. and, we, and, and here we are. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you go, like I said, the character is He's gonna have it. He's gonna, of course, it's me. So it's right. gonna be. It's gonna have some humor and some some comedic time into what it is. But right. he, his personality is again the opposite of a uh, cousin Bobby, who is just wild and reckless. He's more about the book, and, and, which is absolutely again. This movie premieres August fourteenth, which is Friday on Netflix. Project Power stars my man Jamie Fox, Oscar winner. Got to throw that title when you win it, Come Academy on, Award man. winner. And then my girl Dominic, if you saw the movie, uh, the series on HBO called Deuces. She's she doing plays, her thing, yeah. yeah. She plays a young prostitute in that. That was very well received. I knew USA Today did a great article on it, and it's, it's just a really great movie set in the heart of New Orleans. Uh, you see the Superdome, you, so you know you're in New Orleans. But the thing about it, if right. you're a superpower fan, and that's that's the take on this, you know, because you know we all know about the Marvel, we all know about the DC, but there is a yeah. pill that will give you temporary superpowers. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how is it how it's coming into the city of New Orleans. That's the whole. I will give you no more other than the fact that you need to <laughs> sit down and at twelve oh one. That's Thursday night. Twelve oh one. That's when they start streaming. That's right. So you can get out and tell everybody you saw Project Power first because it's a yeah, great movie. Everybody and, put the everybody get get their midnight parties together. Absolutely. It's going down. Now now I'll be remiss cuz I, I I don't mention you. I don't call I don't proclaim you a serial entrepreneur just because I like saying that. You are. <laughs> you've you've all, every time I brought you on the show it's a new project and you what drives you in that entrepreneurship space there, Alan? 
Wow. You know what? It's it's crazy. It, it, it's, it's ever evolving. And I think every entrepreneur needs to know that it's, it's ever evolving as, as you mature, as a person, as a man, and even financially, you know, you begin to think and reanalyze on what you want. Um, but for me, it's, uh, you know, what drives me is a way of life. It's a, um, it's an understanding of, of being, being poor and knowing that I don't want to be that. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. mm-hmm. and, Making every and then under, I, I understanding that my happiness isn't built off materialistic things, but the way I can live my life definitely can reflect that by eating healthier, um, having more time to rest, uh, being able to have certain amenities to make life a little better. So for me, like it, it used to be a number, it used to be a dollar amount, um, where now it's more of uh, it's again off a of pure happiness in, in way of life. Um, so according to how I want to live, that's the amount of money I need to make in order to do that. And I think that's what you, we, I think you mentioned in, in your intro as far as, uh, people measuring their own success. And, mm-hmm. I, and I've gotten to a point where I've been able to identify where I measure my success at and my success is being happy and every business that I do and everything that I, I work on is usually coming from a place of love and I've just figured out a way to make money from it. You know, it's really Um, interesting you say that because that's, that's my philosophy. I I always tell people, mm -hmm. you know, I had simple goals and some people, they, they, they make their goals too much. Like one of my yeah. early goals was like, I didn't want to shop with coupons, food, you know, coupons, you know, like 50% off or I, that was just a goal. Now, if I see a good right. coupon, I use it, but that was just a goal that I have. Then another goal was when I go in a store, if I wanted to buy that, I would buy it. I would, if I touched it, right. I bought it. That was another, uh, that was another fine. It wasn't tied to, I got to make a hundred thousand dollars. I got to make a right. million dollars. Right. It was like a lifestyle. Right change and then I, yeah. when i went shopping if i wanted two pair of shoes and i was in the put myself in the position to buy two pair of shoes then i bought those two pair of shoes and that really right. is how this whole thing that's what i'm saying your philosophy and i my philosophy aligns because of the fact that you can you can you can overreach by saying i need to make a million dollars when you could probably make a half million dollars and be very happy and reach and all your you lifestyle goals. exactly Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I think that's what people get lost is chasing a, a dollar amount rather than their personal happiness. And where, where, because what most people don't know, managing managing a million dollars, managing $30 million, and managing $300 million is a lot of work. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, it's a yes. lot of work. And, you know, be careful what you wish for. It's one of those type of things. Right. Like, be careful what you wish for. You, okay, you said you want to be a billionaire, but do you understand what it takes in the, 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 the pressure and the type of uh, around-the-clock monitoring you have to do to make sure you continue to maintain that billion dollars? Like, mm-hmm. like so it should never be about an amount where, uh, where if it's built by love and you, you're going to do that consistently, consistently and abundantly and you're going to want to work nine times harder than than anything else you were doing just for a monetary success so the level of success and you're going to just naturally ascend you're going to naturally reach your goals you're going to naturally probably surpass your goals but the real success isn't the money it's the happiness that comes with 
being able to live their lifestyle. Okay, well, what happened is it's also starring in another movie called Heels. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's happiness too, my friend. Upcoming rascal yes, drama on Stars. You know, uh, yeah, tell yeah, us yeah, about no, that's that. The tele- that's the television show. Yeah, it's a television show. Oh, um, okay. So it's yeah, a drama it's a, series. Yeah it's, yeah. yeah, it's a series, man. Again, another character that, that isn't well, no, nah, he's a little wild. His name is Brewster. I'm about to His say, name is Brewster. It's no way. Yeah, no, it's no, no way. No, no, you're no, going to do a movie no. about wrestling and it's not outlandish. It's not It's not over yeah, the top. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's, his name is Brewster. So, uh, yeah, he's. he's I can't. I couldn't even. I couldn't even finish that shit. Couldn't even finish <laughs> so the um, so the series is called Heels H E L H E E L S. Upcoming drama yeah. on stars. Tell us about that, babe. Because you know when you come, because yeah, I, I don't know when I'm gonna get you back, it's, it's, Alan. It's, it's, you know, you're so busy. Man, it's, it's, be, it might I, be another two years before I get I you on, on the show again. Muscle. Nah, listen. <laughs> I, I put on pounds of muscle for this show. You know what I'm saying? Like I've I've really transformed my body for this for this role. Uh-huh. Um, he's a high I've been watching your Instagram. I've been seeing your Instagram oh, with yeah. the bag. We've been going up. We've been going up. Yes, sir. Mm-mm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Showing man. that six-pack. I've been hey, watching you. <laughs> look, listen, man. I've been going hard for this show, man. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been this excited for a project to work on in a long time mm-hmm. just to kind of lock in and get into the character. Um, and then also, it's about this um, independent wrestling family who has uh, their wrestling federation in a territory where a rival federation is looking to uh, basically bring them bring them to their demise and 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 end their sounds real to me. wrestling league. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 it's, it's going to be. I can't even explain how dope um, just the project is as far as the direction, the story, just the the the, the vision they have for it. Man, uh, I'm I'm eager. I'm just as eager as I was when I did Project Power as I am for this one. Well, you know, the thing about it, uh, Netflix has a series called Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of mm-hmm. which I yeah, love. Yeah. The first two seasons have been brilliant. And so I've been a, in elementary school. I was a fan of wrestling. My dad used to take me and I was watching, you know, uh, watch these wrestlers. And so I've been a fan forever. When I was a kid, when I could just go in elementary school and go see these, so yeah, to see you yeah. involved in a project like that, know that I'm a big fan of all knowing that it's it's it's, it's natural and it allows you. Here's the, you know we joke about you being all these outlandish characters, but man, yeah. you know that's part of your skill set. Somebody got to play them, and somebody got to play them well, yeah. and you do a fantastic yeah, job yeah. at doing it. I Thank just want an Emmy. You, I just want an Emmy slap next to your name when you're doing them. That's all. Let's come on, man. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening, man. It's happening, man. Man, it's we in route. We in route to that Emmy. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, man. It stars is coming out. We begin shooting um, next month. So, wow. Uh, okay, so let's I'm, slow down. So, this is going to be a, pan- a, 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 a pandemic shoot. Yeah, this is pandemic. We 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 are we are set to begin production. We wow. haven't shot anything. Wow. So, yeah, it's wow. going to be. This is going to be interesting. And again, another. For me, it's just another challenge right. um, to the already challenge. Are they are they going to try to do a bubble a with you, like you know, like 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 Tyler Perry has set up the ultimate bubble on his uh, camp? Right, right. Well, well, not not to that extreme, um, but it'll definitely be a bubble where we'll be monitored and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll have to, you know, stay safe. We got to stay safe and just be responsible for each other. You know, not right. to you know put ourselves in harm's way to. Uh, ultimately, you know, get someone sick on set and stop production. So 
um, they're doing they're doing a fantastic job with everything with testing and stuff like that. So that's awesome. Because you actor, want to be safe. As you an actor, be... I definitely feel safe. Yeah, right. you know. At but, the but, end of the day, I feel totally safe. You know, I want to talk about before we leave the, 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 the nonprofit. Yeah, every time we come on the show, I always bring it up because that's part of you. That's part of your DNA. Uh, I know with yeah. the pandemic, I'm pretty sure it's, it's, it has not worked out like it normally works out every year. Yeah, talk about your yeah. nonprofit and this, this, what's the future okay, of it well, and how well, you. Do. It's been um yeah it's been I've been kind of since since you know with the pandemic and mm-hmm. you know the groups and crowds are you know basically eliminated at this point mm-hmm. um I began to start something a little different um over the past two years I fell in love with running mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a I'm a marathon I'm a five time marathon runner mm-hmm. um I ran four in five months uh before right before uh, the pandemic hit and. I used running as a form of therapy as I was um, battling through, you know, uh, emotional depression, all mm-hmm. these different things that you can deal with as a, as a young man, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. as a growing as a growing man. And running was my therapy. And what I've created was a running crew called Knees Out Coalition. I'm sure you see it on the on the gram with me running all the time. But um, it's than just running. It's about running for uh, mental stability. Where I've come up with this different philosophies and, and a different approach to running that um, um, we're ready to, we're going to be launching pretty soon. Uh, I believe in at the beginning of September, with the knees out coalition.com, uh, you know, on the, on the website where we're going to be delivering again, philosophies to running. We're going to have uh, music set to help you meditate while you run. Um, uh, there'll be merch. There'll be just different things we're going to be doing the community, different secret runs, uh, just because we're able to run together, even though we don't have to be in a group. You know, right. we, we tag each other. Mm-hmm. We we support each other. We, um, we you know, we inspire each other to get up every day. We have monthly challenges like we're doing um, a for our elite runners. They're doing 75 miles this month. And then for uh our beginning runners, uh, they're doing 30 miles this month. Right. And mm-hmm. then we'll give out like weekly kind of guidelines you can run by. It's just, a, it's just, a, it's just a running community that I feel again, my giving back is helping people deal with their mental anguish and anxiety. Right. Cause, uh, cause during the pandemic, dealing with the pandemic, that's been yep. a big a depression and anger has yep. been a major, yep. uh, Problem, and then the fact that you, you know, you're, you're African American and Puerto Rican descendant, and then you know how that has affected the COVID nineteen. When I say that, that has affected me. The COVID nineteen has affected the community. What is your What is your take on, um, and, and and you know, of seeing the world how, how it has changed? You know, the Floyd George Floyd. I mean, it's, right, it's, well, talk it's, to us right quick before we wrap up. Yeah, man, it's it's it's, um, it's fascinating to say to say the least, man. I'm I'm 37 years old, so uh, I can I can honestly say I've seen the world change twice. You know, mm-hmm. um, where the culture, the environment, the way we look at things, the way we see things, where society has made uh, several shifts during my time on this on this planet. And um, this one is this one an interesting one as far as the inability to be in, be in, to be in large groups and just kind of share that energy uh, with each other as a, as a, as a human race, like being in the stadium and cheering is, is, is more than just watching, watching these football players play. Um, 
um, it's a it's an emotional uh, outlet that we all miss right now, and that's what's, what's causing a lot of the stress and a lot of the just um, you know anger and violence that's, that's happening right now. And it's really amazing. Right? My guess, he's uh, you've seen him on Blackish, the last OG. Uh, he starred in a new Netflix movie that drops August 14th called Project Power. That's off the chain sci-fi where if you get they they are infiltrating, they're dropping drugs into the city of New Orleans and it gives people who buy it a temporary power surge. Yep. Superpower surge. I want to thank you for coming on my show. You know I miss you, man. I'm just I'm just letting you know I miss you. Oh man, hey, look, it's man, all, man, it's I, all good. Man, guess what, Alan? I want you to feel bad when I say that too. I want you to feel bad, okay? Cause you know, but listen, I know. Hey, I, 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 I've been, I've been, I've been on the low. I've been working. I've been, I've been focused. I had to, I had to get away for a little bit. I now know, I'm back, I baby. Know, I know. Hey, I'm brother. back, baby. Hey, so, so understand. I'm. Gonna, it's not gonna be another. Another two years yeah, before you hear from me. I promise. There you go. There you go. I promise. That's what you want. That's what you want to hear. You want that on the record. That's on the record. That's on the record. That's on the record. That could be another two Mal years. I promise Donado you, brother. has stated yes, on Money Making Conversation, it will not be another two years because Money Making Conversation right. believes in Alan right. Maldonado. <laughs> Appreciate it. Hey, man, be safe, Appreciate brother. Appreciate it. And y'all watch it this Friday. Right, thank okay. you, brother. Love you, brother. Bye-bye. All right, now. Love you too, man. Bye. My next guest is a motivational speaker extraordinaire, a former NFL player and founder of the nonprofit Rehab Time. He's a large social media following that inspires all ages with videos about relationships, personal success, life and faith. Straight up. This is his first book for young adults. This helpful book guides young adults to establish healthy relationships, chase after their dream and live their very best lives. His book straight up can be ordered and pre-release it comes out officially august 4th but you can get it or you can pre-order it right now let's pre-order it everybody because we want to make this book number one on new york times bestseller please welcome to money making conversation mr motivator himself trent shelton <laughs> how you doing brother appreciate you having me sharing your platform with me uh truly an honor well i i, I well first of all you know the fact that uh, you're a southern boy like me i'm from houston texas so i was born and raised in the big state of texas and have traveled all over this country and uh and I, air you said you were louisiana arkansas went to school at baylor type fellow yes sir yeah i'm, I'm definitely uh south stayed in the south from the south still, still live here so I'm a southern board for sure. Absolutely. Let's just talk about uh, uh, but you, your book. Let's talk about your personality. Let's talk about your athleticism. You know, you, you played wide receiver at the Baylor University. Here's a question I wanted to ask up front. Would you say that the early part of your life was driven by your ability to showcase your physical talents? Would you say that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, ever since I was born i had two older brothers and so i was always trying to keep up with them so mm -hmm. my my even my identity and my my worth everything was performance based you know i always wanted to be the best athlete i could be whether it's base, baseball basketball football track so now that's being said now along the way other people see things in you besides that physical talent that they see a obviously you're a great speaker they 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 know you have a, a, a the people you are, you have a magnetic personality and people see that now, I'm sure people told you that along the way, but of course you were following that physical gift. Can you, can you talk about the people who 
were, were trying to tell you about the skill set that you were not following at the time that they felt had value in your life? Am I too deep with that question? Nah, you're, you're exactly right. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a great question because you're right. I mean, my whole entire life, um, there were seeds planted, uh, as my mom would say, you know, Collins placed on my life, you know, uh, throughout my whole entire life to be, you know, what I do now. But by na- even today, I'm an introverted person. So me uh, hearing that, it was like I was deaf to it because I was so focused on what I wanted to do. So if you weren't bringing anything to my life about sports, then like I wasn't trying to listen to it. And oftentimes what we do is we're so focused on what we want to do. Right. We become blind to what we were created to do. So, yeah, it, it was tough. I know because, you know, I look at my life. I always, I always try to share my life honestly with my listeners and sometimes my viewers that, you know, when you look back, you know, you have to look back. I would tell people the the resume that you have right now, that job resume may not be your dream, may not be your passion. It's just something you do to get a paycheck. And I felt that's what was happening in the NFL. That was something you was doing to get a paycheck. And then one day sitting in that office of the Washington Redskins, you realize, you know, something, this is a check that's not going to pay off long term for me. But you knew that anyway because of an athlete there's a short window anyway but knowing that you still pursued that that was your your number one gift at the time but then in that room with the when they were announced they were going to let you go a realization hit you tell us about that yeah it was just you know i mean i i went through that process probably like nine or ten times so when it got to that place i had already started working on Well, what I do now, which is rehab time. And that vision was already placed in my life maybe a few months before that. How how was that vision placed in your life? How was that vision placed in your life? Man, it it was my rock bottom, to be honest with you. It was me sitting, you know, I just got cut from the Seahawks, and it was me in my my room at my parents' house, and I was just looking around at my rock bottom. I was like, man, like, what am I going to do with my life? And at that moment, I just said it's rehab time. And so for me, rehab time meant for myself, right? It meant putting strength into a weakness, mind, body, and soul. And so I took responsibility to say, okay, let me educate myself because I wasn't reading books. Okay, let me further my health. Let me further my, further my spirituality. And when I went on this journey, it just I just felt a connection. I was like, man, this something feels right about this. Right. And as I started continuing that journey, you know, other people started to see my change, start asking questions. But that was 2009, early right. 2009. So mm-hmm. I got cut with the Redskins probably that fall. And so when they said that, I was hurt. But it was something in me. It was like, hey, like there's something more for your life. But still, even in that, in that let me moment, you, that let, was me my you, let me stop it right there, Trent. You said you were hurt. Yeah. Were you hurt, or or were you more concerned with other people thought of you not you being cut? Both. <laughs> that's that's def- definitely both because that was my significance. So in my mind, it was like because my whole entire life was like, oh, this is my friend Trent that plays for Baylor or, or even high yes. school. So my whole value was in yes. that sport. And so I was hurting that way because I'm like, okay, what are people going to think? And I knew I would lose some people in my life. And then I was hurt also. It was like, this is my whole identity. Like since I was five years old, like what else am I going to do? I never worked in nine to five. I, I, I had no knowledge of any of that. So like, what am I going to do? So I was kind of fearful of like my life is over because if this is the pinnacle of my life, there's nothing more to my life, you know? So it was hard. Well, you know, the thing about now, your son was born in what year? When, when was your son born? 2008. 2008. So your son's born in 2008, which has already let you know that there's a responsibility now in your life. You know, when you're, when you're out there solo and, and making decisions by yourself, or, or but when you bring a, a child into the world, I always tell people, a child didn't ask to come into this world. 
you brought that child into the world. So a certain level of responsibility. So now it's 2009. You still you got cut by the Seahawks. They got about to be cut by the Washington Redskins. You know the speech. You've heard it. You know how, well, you know the end game. But now right. it has to be a different journey now. There has to be a different story to, to be told about your life. When did you start remembering all those other great moments of you can do this? Your, your, your future is not being a football player, an athlete. You can be great. When did, when did, when did that information start running back into your life? It started with me stepping on stage and speaking. Yes. Even though I wasn't ready to speak, even though it was my biggest fear, it started with me uh, stepping on stage, getting invited to the YMCA's, Boys and Girls Clubs, our mm -hmm. church events. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, it made just the impact that I saw when I looked out in the audience and how they were just gravitating to what I was saying. It was like, man, like, okay, everything that people were telling me in my past, it, it could be true. Right. And so that possibility built confidence in my life even in my biggest fear, because, you know, public speaking was something that I was truly afraid of. Well, we always were. I, I, I've been blessed that, uh, you know, my, I, I was this stand up comic. I was stand up comedian. And so so naturally, there's a wall for me to speak that is uh, I mean, people just watch. I used to work for IBM. So when I would speak, they would look, this guy is so comfortable. Well, this stand up comedy. So at, the, at night, right. you didn't know that. So I, I that, that public speaking wall was was shattered with me. And so, but getting out there being honest, though, see, there's a difference in, in speaking publicly, Trent, and then being honest, because because because, uh, you know, you can get a prepared speech. I see that all the time. People do a call a press conference and and they're supposed to be speaking for their heart, but they're reading everything off a piece of paper. And so and that always that always, that always didn't make sense to me. OK, why, why, if you're speaking for your heart, just speak. And now now you started speaking publicly when did the honesty part of the conversation because that's going to drive us into this book because this book is very honest it talks about a lot right. of failures it talks about why these failures have to be acknowledged in order for you to move forward when did you start you started speaking at these wives but what point did you say you know some i gotta tell them relatable stories i gotta tell them why it's important that you hear what i got to say yeah, for sure. It was early on, uh, to be real with you, because and the reason being is because one of my very first major ones, uh, speaking engagements, I prepared a whole speech. You right. know, I was like, read it, wrote it all out, and then when I got up there, I got, I know, whether it was stage fright, I forgot, and it was just like, okay, <laughs> let me just go from my heart, and I realized, like, for one, I always say when you're real, you're relatable, right? It's a connection piece with the audience because they feel like they can relate to you, but it also it gave me freedom, right? I feel like. Like, even today, like, when I try to prepare a speech, I'm like, why am I wasting my time? Because I never go off of the, the notes that I have for my speech. Right. And so it gives me a sense of freedom. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just, I've always kind of been like that since the start of, like, just telling, you know, real, raw, honest, honest stories from the heart about my life. Well, I'm talking to Mr. Motivator himself. That's what I call him. I call him. You know, he, he got a lot of great nicknames out there, but I'm going to call him Mr. Motivator. Uh, Trent Shelton, he has a new book that you can buy right now called Straight Up. Uh, it comes out and is released officially August 4th. This book is, uh, you know, is, is uh, for young adults. And I want to talk about that. Why is it important that when you say young adults, are you talking about millennials? Are you talking about high schoolers? Who are we talking about when you say young adults, Trent? Yeah, I, I think anywhere from the age of, it can be 8 to 24, you know what I mean? I think this book is, and, and I will say this too, I, I've had adults already read it, and, you know, it's a little bit language for kids, but I have adults read it and take it, and like, they learn from it too. But I think anywhere from the ages of where you can read 
all the way to, you know, early 20s for sure. Well, you know, let's 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 dive into the book. The book uh, we're talking about is straight up. And I went I'm going to start in the back because it was a, it, I, I, you know, I read a book. I, I kind of like where well, I want to start. Everybody always starts at the beginning. You know, it might pop start in the middle, but it was it was something that really affected me. I think that really to jump out for me was like in chapter 12. That's just straight up about making an impact. OK, now, mm-hmm. what was the significance before we even get into my, what exactly I want from chapter 12? What was the significance of the I guess you can say title for each chapter? Yeah, so I just kind of dug down on my life. I asked my son some questions, uh, kids that I coach. Yes, sir. And just, uh, you know, took that feedback and was like, OK, this is what they need to hear. You know, so I basically took a, the book 52 lessons um, that I would want either to tell my former self, because I get that question, like, what would you tell a younger you? It would be these 52 things. And so that uh, was the inspiration behind it. Cool. Now, in that chapter 12, you know, it says it says responsibility means realizing you affect other people. See, mm-hmm. That was important to me when I'm reading your book. It goes back to the birth of your son, 2008. It goes back to 2009 when you were sitting in that in the in the office of the team watching the Redskins, and they was letting you know that there was no space for you on the team. That if a spot opens up, you know you could you will let you know. You said, "Don't worry." <laughs> you said, don't, don't, don't. "I've heard this speech before. Don't 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 placate me yeah. like that." Okay, don't placate me like that. If it was a space open, I I wouldn't be sitting in your office. Okay. I wouldn't be sitting there. Okay. So, but responsibility means realizing you affect other people. I wanted to start our interview with that statement because that's what a lot of people, I want, I won't use the word selfish, but we get so focused on ourselves that we're not responsible to the other people that believe in us. And that could be children, that can be your wife, that can be your employees, that could be people investing in you, that could be your your business partners. And that statement I thought was really powerful. And I just wanted you to comment on that and, and also provide my feedback because a lot of people don't realize that responsibility means realizing you affect other people. To me, was one of the most powerful lines in your book. Man, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, uh, one of my sayings for rehab time is it all starts with you. Because I had to look within myself and say, okay, you know, how is my life going to affect, you know, others around? And I often say, you know, I, I tell my kids this and myself, always tell yourself that you are influenced. So I always say I am influenced every single day. And my question that I ask myself at the end of the day is how did I influence the environment around me? You know, whether it be going to a meeting, whether it be going with my team, whether it be going to my, my family or the kids that I coach, how did I inspire them through my life? I can inspire them in a negative way, mm-hmm. a neutral way, or a positive way. And so I'm always trying to make sure that when someone gets around me, um, whether that's through, you know, telling stories about my past, being honest, or giving them uh, insights on different things, when someone gets around me, I want them to be better because they came and encounter with me. And so I think when you understand that you have influence, even if you're walking to the supermarket, <laughs> you know, you could be having a bad day and an attitude, you might, somebody might feel that energy and look at you and be like, oh, like, dang, you know, Maybe my day is now even worse. So you can be the person that says, you know what, smile at the person. You don't never know that they just might need that. So I just always realize that with my life that I have the opportunity to make an environment better every single day. And so I try to live by that. And it's really important. And, uh, you know, I, I I'm just talking about the book. I'm talking to Trent Shelton. Uh, the book is called Straight Up. Uh, right now you can pre-order it. Uh, it. It comes out officially August 4th. Uh, my goal is to have this book number one. That's what I want for you. Trent, 
Number one. Yes, sir. New York I, Times I, bestseller. I, wanted to. <laughs> I had three of them with Steve Harvey. We went three straight number ones. I mean, real number one, not just bestseller. I, see, bestseller and number one, two different conversations. I want you, because this book has so much value in it that uh, it, it, it struck me. And that's what I'm saying is that, you know, eight to 80. As they say black crippler crazy as they say when I was growing up everybody can get value out of this book especially if you're trying to look in your life and try to jumpstart it because a lot of people need to jumpstart their lives because they're doing they, I always talk about it because you talk about relationships and you're hitting so many areas I think that are important let's talk about the, why did you want to speak about relationships because relationships are everything you know as human beings you know our connections with you know whether it's a intimate relationship whether it's you know a business relationship whether it's a friendship the relationships are important you know you talk to people and usually if something is going wrong in their life it's yes, usually sir. tied to a relationship so i think it's just important that we build strong relationships we cultivate you know strong relationships in our lives so it helps us be better so yeah i think relationships are everything cool uh and, uh, and Oh, I don't know if, if, if some of the book, did you, did you want some things to be humorous in the book? Because some of them I just have to laugh out loud at you. You know, like, for instance, I'll tell you something, man. I, I, the, front of the front of the book when you was in that uh, mud race, man, I'm tell you something. Oh, yeah. Brother, I was laughing so loud at you. And, and <laughs> what took you so long? <laughs> yeah, man. I, yeah, I was like, there were, Man, I, I really thought I was going to die that day. Like, I was like, I made my peace with God, man. And the dude was mad at me. I was like, you work here. Like, you're supposed to have been came and got me. <laughs> no, no, you're supposed, to, you, you, you're supposed to let us know where you stand in life. That's why, that's why I took from that line. That's why, because so many people are out there living a life and, and, and they're, they're not as saying they need help. They're not saying they need change because when you're about to make change, you have to admit a failure. So you have to admit Absolutely. a failure to have change in your life. See, uh, so many people want to admit, don't want to admit that. And that's why that's why this book is so important, because this is a great moment. And I, I remember when I was when I first went on tour as a stand up comedian, I can't swim. OK, Trent. And I went out there and, it, and then I, it was it was a major decision I had to make on the shore because my friends said, hey, man, you know, if you want to use the jet ski, just going out there, just right there. Did you? And then, and then, and I had to make a major decision in my mind. Okay, do I act like I know how to swim and get on this jet ski, or do I put on a life jacket? I I made the decision. That's why you still hear me talking today to put on this life jacket. Because I went out there and I fell off that jet ski, and that jet ski went into a circle. And if I would not have had that jacket on. I would have drowned. I would have officially drowned that day. And that's what you're saying right there is that we have to admit what we can't do to be able to accomplish what we can do. That's a resounding theme in this book, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And with that being said, I'm I lost my voice right there. <clears throat> now, let's talk about let's walk through this whole uh, mud race. You know, you know, you'd already embarrassed yourself in the previous mud race. So you was determined you was an athlete. You was probably still cut up, start, probably still had that had that stomach looking right. So walk through the steps of that. You know, when you realize you died in that cold water, you died in that cold water. And that body, and that body said, you know something? I'm going to start talking now. I'm going to take over this race and let you know how I feel about what you've been doing to me. 
you're in, you're in the water now. You just like Rashawn, but Rashawn had a life jacket. Okay, <laughs> when that when that jet ski was circling me, I could just see it circling me. But I had a life jacket, and I was thanking God that you told me to put on this life jacket. You didn't let me do nothing stupid. But unlike that, you had dived in this cold water. You don't have a life jacket. Walk us through the steps, Trent. <laughs> yeah, man. So I, I so I I drop I drop I drop into the water and like I'm exhausted, right? So I don't know why they have these at the end anyway. But I drop into the water. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, Trent, hold on, Trent, hold on, Trent. See, see, your version of exhausted, exhausted, and my version are two different things. So you are a <laughs> you are a superior athlete. You got to say that because at the time you were leading, right? Yep, I was. Yep, you were leading. So you're a superior athlete. That you're leading the race. You're on top of the wall. All you have to do is zip line, drop into this water, and you swim, and you declare the victor. And, and you know, this is the mud race. And everybody know about these mud races, see? Is that really? Not too many black people. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Not too many black people participate in these mud races, okay? So here you are, you know, your black man leading the mud race. In Texas. Now, I'm walking through the steps now, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, and you're and very, it's funny, so I have to say at the end, too, it, it makes it even more true. So I, I jump into the, I drop into the water, and I can swim. So I'm like, okay, cool, you know, not that bad for swim, but I catch a full body cramp. Like, the water's freezing. And so immediately, like, I, I know that I'm in trouble. But I'm like, okay, I'm not about to sit here and call out for help. I'm going to push through. So I'm trying to swim, and I just can't. And so... The funny thing about it, there's a guy that drops in behind me and I'm like, I'm asking him for help, like help. And he kind of looks at me like he stops and he keeps swimming. So I'm like, dang, that's messed up. You know, I guess he's like, I ain't about to let this dude ruin my time. You know? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm panicking. So now, now my helps are getting louder. And then, you know, all the embarrassment is going out the window because I feel like I'm about to die. So I'm going, I'm, I'm really fighting like doggy paddling in the water, fighting to stay above. Make a long story short, I end up, like pretty much nobody. So there's people that work there, right? So I'm like, okay, somebody's gonna jump in. Right. These people were waiting for somebody else to do it. So they were just <laughs> literally, they were trained to jump in and, and help. Nobody helped. This guy throws a buoy out there, which is probably you know ten yards away from me, and I right. can't even move a yard. So I'm like, that doesn't help. So I just make my peace with God. I'm like, okay, this is it. This time I'm gonna go out. I was like, it's the wrong way to go out. Like at a at a mud race, drowning in a little lake, and. Um, as soon as I'm about to go down, I see a guy finally jump in. And so that, like, gave me the strength to, like, okay, just kick and push, fight all you can. Like, I exhausted everything, man, not to get too much TMI, but, like, my whole body was depleted. Right. And I push up, and then the guy finally comes out there. He saves me. He brings me to the side. He's 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 mad. I mean, like, he's, you know, he had his boots on. He, was, he wasn't the one supposed to jump in. Right. <laughs> so he's mad. And he's like, if you can't swim, why don't you come out here? And I was like, man, I can't swim. I was like, what took you so long? Like, and I was, I was angry. Make a long story short, they, they, they take us to the tent. And in the tent, it's, it's two people in the tent. And both of us was black. Right. And I was like, I was like, God, I was like, this, this would be the, the, the perfect stereotype for this. Make a long, after, after they got us in the tent, I said, you know what? I said, I'm getting my medal. I was like, I, I did. So I went over there, I grabbed my medal, even though I didn't finish. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm getting my medal. So. That just taught me a valuable lesson, man, to ask for help, you know, and not be embarrassed to do it because I probably could have saved myself a lot more if I would have really called out for help earlier. Well, the, the, well, that's why this book is about lessons. 
And I think the biggest thing I, I, I my, one of the, well, it was so many great takeaways, Trent. I'm gonna just tell you about the book. There's so many because they're relatable, and I think that that's what makes this a that's what makes this a very effective book and an effective read because of the fact that you you this is a scenario about this is basically a story about when you need help, ask for. It. That's what that whole exactly. journey of that story was in a in a nutshell, saying that I'm gonna just show you how I push my body. To a level where it was done, but my ego, my ego right. almost killed me, almost caused me to die because I refused to ask for help. Now, what did you basically outside of just learning that? Did you learn anything else other than saying if you need help, uh, uh, call for it or, or anything else out of that whole scenario? Well, yeah, another big thing is, you know, every a lot of people ain't really ain't willing to risk their life for you. Too, yes, because there are people there that I knew, you yes. know, like that I knew that I saw watching. Me, like my man, you know, like my man that swam past you. You said, "Help, help!" Exactly. Excuse me. The finish line. The finish. <laughs> finish line. Yeah, he, he like he, he like he went and went past. So the thing I took from that, I, I tell people to this day, like a real friend, somebody who, who really is for you, is not going to. They're not going to be the person that talks to you about you know and watched you struggle or reports your struggle. They're going to be a person that says, you know what, like we 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 going to laugh about it because I was in there helping you struggling together, or we didn't make it. And it's just like you realize that when struggle shows up, a lot of loyalty or a lot of you know uh, people who claim that they're really for you will disappear. And it taught me a lot about that because literally it was probably a hundred people there that I knew because I, I led a fitness class out there, and some people didn't see me, but I know for a fact about 20, 30, 30 people saw me in there and they weren't really, they wasn't willing to risk their life or even, you know, I don't even think it was a life risking situation, but they wasn't willing to get in there and help me out. And so it just taught me a lot about when it gets real, you're going to see who's really real, who's really there for you. Well, what's, what's with that statement, let's slide to chapter five, which I have down here called straight up about friends. Yeah. And I was talking to my staff the other day and I was just, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a loner, but I'm a, I'm a, a, a or overachiever and I'm a guy who pivots so that when I say pivot means that when I see an opportunity trend I will go and give 100% to achieve success in that opportunity so when you pivot a lot of times you that means that the mindset a lot of people go hey man where are you going now a lot of people will say man you you try to do everything and a lot of people will kind of like uh, uh, throw negative statements to you just because you're willing to put forth the effort to be successful. So you have to always watch when people throw those cliches out there. You're never satisfied. Or you're trying to, you're trying to be good at everything. You know, you know, so won't you just settle down? That's what a lot of older people say to you. Won't you just settle down and yeah. be good at one thing? And so to me, as I went along, I, I, I told them, I said, look, the, the people I graduated from high school, I don't really know them anymore. The people I went to college, it was a bunch of us started out together. I really don't know them anymore. The people I worked at my first job. And so as you go through life, you're, you're going you're gonna to pivot. You're going to have people who believe in you and you're going to have people that support you. But more importantly, surround yourself with the people who are the, the, the street term is ride or die. But basically, yeah. that's what you got to have. And sometimes even those ride or die people, when you pivot, might not be ready for that change and you may need to 
say, you know, I'm sorry. This is where our relationship ends. And that's what that's what professional sports does. Professional sports, they know how to pivot. They go, look, you know, you you, you were good five years ago. You might was good last season, but I got somebody else. And life is about pivoting. And that's what I that was my great takeaway from that chapter. I, I wanted to hear your, your take on it as well. That was chapter five, straight up about friends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always say when you, when you hit new levels, you're going to probably get new relationships because everybody won't be willing to grow with you. That's just facts. You know, there's some people that don't understand it. There's some people that don't want to put in the work. There's yes. some people that it makes uncomfortable. Yes. And so as you continue to move and progress with your life, you're going to lose people. And that's something I have to realize because for me, it was like, why don't you get this? And like you said, those cliches, like I've had people say, are you still doing that little rehab time thing? Or why are you, you know? And it's because a lot of people don't understand just greatness. They don't. They don't understand going for your dreams. A lot of people talk about it, but a lot of people don't have that mindset. And so what's helped me, um, you know, over these years is finding people that have that mindset, finding people who, who challenge me, finding people who are either at where I want to be or are trying their hardest to get where I want to be. And the more I've surrounded myself around people with those values, it's tended to stick relationships in my life. Right. It, right. Cause I got around people not for external reasons or not because, you know, Oh, we're, we just connect like that. But because you have a mindset that I wouldn't mind catching because mindsets are very contagious. What you surround your life around, you're going to be that, you know, for, if you stay around that for a long period of time. So I'm trying to find mindsets that grow mine. Right. And that get me outside my comfort zone as much as I can. Wow. Uh, I want to close out with this last chapter here. I'm talking to Trent Shelton. I want to just talk about uh, this whole thought about fear. And in chapter 10, it's about straight up about fear. And I always talk about fear when I talk to people because fear of change, fear of, you know, the, the pandemic has really taught us a lot about fear because of the fact that it's, it's forced us to live in a life that we wouldn't, we didn't prepare for. And it's forced us to make adjustments, right. financial adjustments, social adjustments. And this chapter, I think, is so relevant now I, and I, I, because of the fact of the pandemic. And it's about facing the dog, as you say. And the dog is about, you know, I always tell when you're growing up, they say, if you stare at a dog barking, if you stare at him, he'll cower down. That's what they tell you, you know, you know, but but right. like, that chapter I thought was so important to me. Because of what is happening right now, facing reality, willing to make change, failure isn't fatal, how to hack fear. Talk about that and we'll wrap this up, Trent. Trent, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, I appreciate you, man. And, uh, you know, fear is this, you know, I, I think there's two types of fear, right? There's a fear that, that, that it's, it keeps you alive. There's a fear that tells you, hey, you shouldn't go do that because more than likely, you know, maybe it was me jumping, like you getting on the, um, on the right. desk, right? It's like your fear told you, hey, you might want to put on like this. So there's a smart fear, but there's also a fear that keeps us from being everything that we're created to be or keeps us from progressing. And what usually happens with fear is that we allow things we can't control to control us. Or, as I like to say, we create a result from a situation we haven't experienced yet. And so if when I think about my fear of public speaking, it was... I was telling myself I was going to fail. I was telling myself people are going to laugh at me before I ever started. And so if you're telling yourself that, you're never going to do it. And so the thing that I love to tell people is that, one, focus on what you can control, and two, change the experience, right? Say, okay, even if it doesn't go right, I'm going to grow from this. I'm going to learn from this. And you'll find the courage to walk through that door of fear every single time if what awaits for you is something that's positive. So I, I just think that's how we we really challenge fear 
is by facing it. And this is the thing, too. You'll never win your war by running from your battles. So people want to complain about the yes. reality, but you'll never change yes. it if you never face it. My man, I want to appreciate you. There's, I'm talking to Trent Shelton, the author of the amazing book. It's coming out August 4th, but you can pre-order it right now. It's called Straight Up, uh, the helpful book guides young adults to establish healthy relationships, chase after their dreams, and live their very best life. Thank you, Trent, for coming on the show, my friend. And we will be in touch. Get those banners to me, man. Thank you. I got you, man. Thank you so much. All I right. appreciate it. Much love. Uh, this is Rashawn McDonald. Uh, if you want to hear more money making conversations, please interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Cars today are like computers on wheels, but you can't fix any of the new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code MONEY. Or visit CarShield.com and use code MONEY to save 10%. That's CarShield.com, code MONEY. A deductible may apply. My next guest is the founder and chief executive officer of Mobility Capital Finance Incorporated. In 2014, as the city of Ferguson, Missouri erupted into protests following the shooting death of an unarmed black teenager, sounds familiar, an Oxford-educated African-American financial executive sat in his office at a Fortune 100 company and decided and considered ways to close the economic gap. Two years later, that executive launched a digital banking platform that would target the more than 50 million unbanked and underbanked people living in this country. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Wole Coxum. Thank you very much, Rashawn. It's great to be with you. Well, uh, that's a pretty dramatic opening. That's uh an inspiration we all need to be inspired by something we all need to look at our look in the mirror and saying is this my ultimate path this is my journey you know we all go to school you're highly educated and then we opened about this conversation about an unarmed black man young teenager and in 2020 that was in 2014 this world is in uh, the world, I say, is in uh, emotional turmoil, turmoil because of what happened to George Floyd in Minnesota. With that being said, we're in the middle of a pandemic and you saw something, sir. And I, I, I give a lot of speeches. Like I'm on news all the time talking about economic crisis. And it all keeps going back to the minorities, people of color, African-Americans who are suffering, who don't have the right banking. Talk to us about that whole process that started in 2014, and we're going to come forward to 2020 because what you created is definitely needed. I know that for a fact, and that's why I have you on Money Making Conversations. Yeah, so, uh, the, you know, the reality is that um, when I was at my job, I was one of the most senior black people at, uh, at J.P. Morgan. Yes, and... I realized that where I was sitting, I was not in a position to impact my community, my where I come from, and my people. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I, I wanted, I was at a stage in life where I said, you know what, I'd rather try and solve this problem and fail than to stay in my job and keep doing what I'm doing, because at least I can have the satisfaction in life of trying to, to tackle it. And I was so frustrated with being in conversations with people talking about the problem and not really having a conversation about, well, here's some tangible solutions. So I thought, let me take my training. I've been fortunate fortunate to have worked at some of the biggest financial services companies in this country with mm-hmm. some well-known people. And I said, let me take this training and see if I can bring it back to my community. Um, and that's how we got to Mochify. And we all have our moments in life. But when I was watching Ferguson burn, it reminded me of episodes of Eyes on the Prize that so many of us grew up watching as a, as a young person and so many more of us lived through um, right. during the civil rights era. And I just thought that, you know what? There's got to be a better way. And we've got all this training. Let's see if we can put it to you. So that was my sort of George Floyd moment happened mm-hmm. um, then. Mm-hmm. And um, it put me in a position to ask some difficult questions. Why do black folks spend more than 50% on banking products and their white counterparts every month, right? Why is it that over the course of a lifetime, a black person can spend $40,000 more uh, for banking services uh, than their counterpart? And how can we have an impact? Because it's all about how do we create wealth in our communities? And it's got to start by not going to the check casher. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <got> absolutely. <laughs> you know, you know, in, in 2000, you know, when I was doing radio, Steve Harvey and I was doing radio, just watching the, them going to Compton, these checks hashing, just outrageous yeah. fees they're paying in Watts yeah. and Compton and South LA. Yeah. And not only just yeah. there, but in the fifth ward and the third wards of Houston, Texas, the south side of Chicago, yeah. you know, exactly. in the communities of Harlem, New York, and the other boroughs, in the D.C. area. Everywhere you exactly. go, black people are being exploited it because they don't have access to the correct exactly. way to you to to, to, to to receive their money and deposit their money that's exactly right and there's an assumption that those are the right ways that should serve the black community the fact that there are more check cashers than there are McDonald's and Burger Kings in this country tells you a lot yes. right 80 percent of the black of the bank branches that have closed in this country have been in low and moderate income communities and that's our community. So mm-hmm. we can do better. And I wanted to try to be a part of that conversation um, and to bring it to today, to your point, you know, we're seeing the implications of being on the outside, looking in from the financial services perspective. Well, how does that manifest itself? Yes. It manifests itself in such a way that you've got um, hundreds of thousands of people who still haven't collected there, twelve hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> you know, twelve hundred dollars or twenty four hundred if you're a couple, or five hundred dollars a child if exactly. long as your child has not turned eighteen in twenty twenty. That's exactly right. And so, why are we the most vulnerable of us need these dollars? And yet, if we're waiting for a check, and even if we get the check, we still got to go to the check casher to cash it. Oh, but by the way. The check casher is, I've got to leave my home to get there. That puts me at risk, you know, with this COVID-19 situation. Mm -hmm. And so now I've got to risk my life 
to cash a check that, and I, oh, by the way, I'm not going to get my full $1,200 because I got to pay a fee to get that money in the first place. I mean, it just all doesn't make sense. And also, let's There's remind this, way. and you're cashing it not in the most friendly environment. You know, right. you got a buzz in, uh, right. 15-inch glass. They don't even trust you right. as a customer. They right. don't see you right. as a large customer. They don't want to grow right. your money. They don't want to deposit your money. They want they want right. to just see you for that one time, get what right. they can get out of you, buzz right. you out. So it's never an environment right. that they want you to bring your children into. Right. There's nobody there with a lollipop. Right. Sorry, an air conditioned environment where you can sit on a chair. You know what I'm talking about. This is how, this is how, this is how people do quality banking when you want to put yeah. your money in. This is the environment yeah. that they're not used to. So guess what? Right. Generation behind you sees that and says, that's how I do my money too. That's, that's how exactly I'm supposed right. to live. That's why I say, man, I had to bring you on this show, man. This, this right here, we just started scratching the surface of the greatness of what you have come about what you're delivering because I'm at the forefront of, of just black people. You know, they, when these $1,200 stimulus checks going straight to the people who file taxes and, they, and then, then that money gets returned back to the government, they never see it because they don't have bank accounts. Right, right, right. And the thing about it is a bank account, it sounds so simple, but it, for so many of us, it's not that simple. Yes. And one of the things that we're imagining a world is we're going to transform the stores and the locations where we live into virtual bank branches. Yes. So what we're what we're setting up is you can get there's a free ATM network. We got an ATM network. You can get your cash out for free. I don't care what your balance is. We're not charging you a monthly minimum fee. We're not charging you um, to set up the account. You can start transacting with us for free, and you get the state of the art plastic touchless. It's got a chip in it. It's got a pin because that's what we deserve. Because our philosophy is if you bring a high quality product to a large market, you've got a game with the business. So anyway, so we're transforming the Walmarts, the CVSs, the Rite Aids into places where you can put cash in your account for free, take cash out of your account for free. And we're allowing people to take checks, pictures of their check. And that money will be deposited into your account for free, real time. There's no reason you need to go to a check casher ever again if you work with Mocafi. Absolutely. And and the part that I'm so excited about, I'm excited about so many parts of this. And, and oh, Ray you. Sean, I, I, <laughs> you know, this is, this is where I'm excited, sir, is that, see, what black people or people of color are have, to, have to learn and understand that that cell phone is a mini computer. Oh, it's a meaning computer, and that is the game changer that we have to educate them about. Because we're about to get hit again with this potential homeschooling, or 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 because of pandemic, because of the pandemic and COVID nineteen, we have to learn that this this little app that you can drop that you can that you that you feel is only for texting, for taking photos and making phone calls is the game changer for your financial life. That is what I really want to pound on this interview is that you know black people buy more Android phones than anybody in the world. Black people, right, right, right. right. Preach. 
Preach. And when it's I saw true. this, I went, okay, I said, team, we, we have to, I have to talk to him because <laughs> I got to figure out a way to be able to sell this. I got, you know, I got a bi-monthly newsletter. It goes out to 90,000 fans every month and it grow is growing. And I, I want to drop this information in there. You know, sometimes they'll block you on Facebook when you start talking financial and stuff like that. But I have my own assets that I can put the word out because this type of information that you're delivering has to be told has to be shared because of the fact that if we don't understand that 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 this this pandemic should be an eye opener from the technology uh-huh. side or the lack uh-huh. of information that we're using uh-huh. through technology and this mobility app that you created the mobility uh-huh. capital finance app is the game changer sir it's the game changer mm-hmm. well the things is i appreciate that and we want to be very much a part of your getting the word out. So I look forward to taking advantage of how you reach your 90,000 and growing. Um, I got 800,000 on my Facebook. I got another 100,000. Okay. We're going to figure out how to get this out there, you know. Uh, and I just know that sometimes when you say financial uh, money in your copy, you know, Facebook or uh, flag you and all this, but we're going to figure this out. Because you, you just say mobility, capital finance. I think I can get that out like that. But I just know that <laughs> you you got to be smart, you know, when you're trying to reach your people. I got 88% of my, excuse me, 90% of my followers on my Facebook account are female, which are the decision makers, who are the usually the people who handle the purse strings. So right. I know I have the right audience to be able to right. communicate. It's right. just being able to get you on the show, let you know I'm a fan, and let you know I have a high degree of sincerity when I'm talking right. to you. Well, I appreciate that very much. You, you, when you talk about the um, your 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 fan base and your 90% are women, it, it reminds me of something my mom says often, which is stopping the women stops the power. And so we need to empower uh, women so they are, because they really do um, have the responsibility of managing our homes and managing our lives. Yes. One of the things that I've been very, we're very focused on is around, and, and, and just peep this, around rent payments being a way that people can build their credit score. So if you think about it, for many of us, our rent payment on a monthly basis is the largest expense that we have uh, each month. And so few of us actually get that payment into the credit file. Right. We make that free for people. We've, we enable that and it's free to people. So if they pay their rent on our platform and they can give us the name of their landlord and we can send the landlord a check, we can at the same time provide the two of the bureaus, Equifax and TransUnion, right. that information. And oh, by the way, that was brilliant. That was brilliant, sir. That was I read that. I went, that's brilliant because, you know, and that's true because of the fact that, you know, they don't report that. And so right. that's the number one thing that we do is pay rent, pay rent. Right. OK. <laughs> and the fact that you can't even get credit for paying rent. And when I saw that part, I went, wow, wow, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. Now, how are you, because I see 25,000 users, which is not enough. We are not even close to our number. How do we get that number moving exponentially in the black community? That's a great question. So we think about it in two ways. It's having this conversation uh, and having as many of your uh, readers and listeners yes, um, 
tune in and try us out um, and making sure that people understand the value. So that's part of it. We, we too, are really trying to improve our uh, digital game Mm -hmm. uh, and spend time on the various social media platforms where people are looking for solutions. And then we're also just, but, you know, if you look at our community and our history, Mm -hmm. movements start from the bottom up. Right. And so we just need to be in the community. For example, we're in Newark and the folks who are in a summer job program working with the city of Newark, they're using our platform to get paid their summer wages. Instead of getting gift cards, they're actually opening up a full DBA bank account on our platform. Right. Mm -hmm. We've got folks in Brooklyn who are um, getting some COVID relief dollars. And they are, instead of getting them on gift cards, they are able to sign up and get their dollars by opening up an account with us. And the organizations are putting dollars into those accounts. So it's those kinds of opportunities. We've got folks in Atlanta who are, we're helping provide through some philanthropic dollars, uh, rent relief uh, so people don't get uh, evicted from their homes and at the same time saying now is the time for you to think about improving your banking situation so you don't have to waste money on excess fees. So we're just trying to go through all the channels of with great community partners, folks like yourselves who reach such an important audience right. uh, to, to, to tell the story and, and hopefully each person that uses the product, they'll tell a friend and um, you know we'll grow it that way. One of the things that's great is you can send money to another Mocafi. We call it Mobility Capital Finance. We go by Mocafi. Another Mocafi cardholder for free instantaneously. Versus going to Western Union. Exactly. Playing fees. You, or, I'm telling you something. I, I know this is uh, this is a lot of stuff <laughs> going on here. That I, I you know, because you know when you when you when you sit on the other side, and I, I'm just yeah. like you, you you sit on the other side, and you do business yeah. a certain way, and you go in the bank, they look at you different, and your bank account looks different, and then I see my people, yeah, living a life struggling, struggling. Yeah. And the, and yeah. you struggling because I I I grew up in the inner city so I know struggle, and um, and so this this is such a quality mission and the reason I keep bringing it up is that black people function in this country and we don't get credit for how we function and that's what racism is all about and uh-huh. we don't get any function and that's the problem we having right now with a with with uh, with these with these Confederate statues see if you actually taught our history taught and put us uh-huh. in the history books you'll clearly understand those statues should never have been up you will clearly understand what we've had to do, but they take all that Jim Crow out of the history books because white people don't want to feel uncomfortable reading about how they treated blacks. They don't want to feel uncomfortable how they were hanging blacks, how they were denying blacks opportunity. That's an uncomfortable part of history. So flash forward to 2020, they go, what's the problem? What's the problem with the flag? What's the problem with these statues? They're heroes. Because they removed all that information as to why they are not heroes to the people in power and for the people who have suffered the indignities because of that situation that they put us in. And so when I see your app and I see technology, because that's the one thing that came out of this whole pandemic for me, that black people, we got to put our foot to the metal on technology. Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree with that 100. percent And technology is the great uh, equalizer, if you will. To your point, we all have the same phone. Uh, there's more technology in the phones that we have today than there was when they put someone on the moon. Yes. Um, you know, 50 years ago. So the the power is there. But we have another fundamental problem, which you uh, which you remind me of, right? 36% of black households do not have internet or computer access. That's right. You know, so we have to deal with some fundamental, banking is a fundamental thing, it's mobile, and I think that allows us to bank the way we want to be banked, because we're pretty sophisticated people. Yes, we you are. give us a good product. Yes. <laughs> and that's, you, what, that, you, you, that's what I'm saying, there's 25,000, we got to move that number, because the, we don't know. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something, man. Yeah. Nobody likes just giving away their money, okay? Nobody likes going down to those check cashing places. I know. Nobody leaves that happy. Yeah. I've never seen anybody yeah. click their heels come out of the check cashing building, <laughs> okay? Like I said, they got to buzz you in. It's just, it's just like going right. into jail to get your money. It's terrible. It's terrible. That's right. And so, and so when I, and, and it just, uh, and so when I, when I hear you talking, that's why I have to realize that, that, that there's the opportunity with this phone to be able to let them know there's more than just a phone because through limited education, that's all we think it is. We, we, I talk, right. I text, I take photos. That's it. An app, because those apps, have no value to them. They don't care about renting a car. They don't care about airline airline tickets. They don't care about a lot of things that are important to you and I. All they care about is their money. And there's no there to that knowledge, there's no app on there that can help them with their money. And that's what right. we got to educate our people about. That's right. Well we think about the world in three place in three ways. One, we want to get people banked. Yes sir. And to your point Half, 55% of, of African-Americans are unbanked or underbanked. That's, mm -hmm. we, that's, we don't have to live that way. The second is we want to help people build their credit score. And um, we're doing it through rent payments. Uh, we report to, the, to two of the bureaus. And that in and of itself can save you money because you know there are these credit repair places that will that could charge you, you know, $100, $200 to get you 50 points. Um, on our I platform, see the commercials. I see the commercials. On our on our platform, you know, you, we can take up to two years of rental history, and this is not going to be true for everybody, but the statistics suggest that over 90% will see an improvement in their credit score. We have seen people get up to 50 to 100 points of credit score improvement by taking rent payments and going back two years, and that can be done in a relatively short period of time. So that's the second part. And then the third part, if you got your banking right, if you've got your credit score right, then we can start talking about how do we build wealth. Can you buy a house? Yes. Can you start that uh, that new business? Mm -hmm. Can you think about maybe putting some couple dollars aside and putting it in the stock market? So mm -hmm. how do we start to create? And then what we do is we provide coaches free to people that understand you, that, that a coach that looks like you're your cousin or your sister, mm -hmm. who you know has got your best interest in heart, not just trying to sell you the next shiny object. Um, so we're trying to think about it holistically until, in terms of banking, building credit, right. and then creating wealth in our communities. Right. And so we, I'm with you. We want the I don't want the twenty five thousand. When next time I come on your show, I want it to be a hundred thousand. It has to be. It has to be. And I, I'm not saying that in a um, a negative manner. 
I just no, I know that I just know that you know that that's all I do is market. You know, I just think of ways yeah. of being able to yeah. get a message out, and that message is that phone and and understand. Yeah. It's almost like you know what you know what annoys me. Like you 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 buy a phone or you buy a computer, you get a remote, and Netflix already on the remote. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's already there. It's already there. Even if, if, if you don't have no, if you don't want Netflix, it's there. It's there already. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, so in my mind, I'm sitting over here. How can I get his app on every phone? Mm. See, I'm, I'm sitting right there. That's where I'm at right now, Coaxer. Mm. I'm trying to figure out mm. how can I not have his app standard on every black mm. phone in the minority mm. community? How mm. can we? How can we not make that happen? Because I see mm. it happening with Netflix. Right. Right. I see this happening on the regular. How do you know? You look at you look at TV. Twitter already getting self promoted. Follow Twitter. Follow Facebook. You know all the you know follow follow all these all these different brands. You are a brand, Coaxum. And my mind is like, how can I get this brand to become relevant to the black community? One of the ways it has to become a standard bearer for opportunity, and we have to talk to the right people. And right now. Right now, everybody's talking about diversity. Everybody's talking right. about trying to help our black people, trying right. to equal right. the playing field. My right. man, right. you have the software. Now you have to talk to the right people. Go, look, if you're trying to help the black community, get them out of those check cashing. I got right. it right here. There's no right. agenda tied to it. Make it right. make it a, a, a make it a loadable feature right. Right. on these little burner right. phones. OK, right. 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 Let's right. start that. Right, right. That's a great idea. That's, 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 that's a great idea. That's exactly right. And it's just right there. People don't even have to think about it. Just just sign up. And that's the other thing. So many of us may find ourselves, if we were to go to a traditional bank, excluded because they might check the, the they, not, they might. They do check the check system. Yes. And if you have a history of um, a bank account problem, they're not going to open up an account for you. No, we don't not. have that problem. No. We want everybody, yes. right? We just yes. want to make sure you are who you say you are. You can open up your account. It yes. takes three minutes. And at the end of the process, you've got your 16-digit account number. You can start charging. And you've got your um, account number and routing number. You can start doing direct deposit. And, peep this, in the coming couple of weeks, we're going to have it set up that you can get your paycheck two days or early if you do direct deposit with us okay cool i'm in i'm in you know we need to stay in touch sir all right we need to stay in touch absolutely from a standpoint of um uh, any tool i have available because in the end i've been fortunate Uh, i just have a natural drive just like you um we all have different hands that we have been dealt but it's what you do with right. those opportunities. So, and I don't feel that I'm, I, I can't be happy if everybody, are, if I'm not at least sharing the gifts that God has given me. And that's what, we, that's what this interview is about. And, uh, and I just wanted my, my, my take on this would let you know, I get what you're doing, my friend. I get it. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta quadruple that number. We gotta, we gotta do some yeah. mad math on my degree is in mathematics. We gotta do some mad math on that oh. number because if we, if we don't, then we are not doing what its purpose. We're not, the purpose of it is to, right. is to engage African American or people of color financially t- to a level playing field. Better credit, right. better banking. They, right. We pay more fees than anybody. We gotta stop all that. 
right? And if and, and you know what happens? You give us a level playing field, guess who wins? We do all the time. And guess who else wins? The country wins. And that's what makes me mad about racism. I always tell people, you know some man, all, all my life, I'm a, I'm a black man. I grew up in a black neighborhood. All I ever wanted, man, was the, was the lifestyle of a white person. That's why I went to college, to get educated so I can live in a better neighborhood. All I've ever wanted was my child to have a better life than I have. Aren't those the same values that everybody in America wants? But because when you try to pursue these values, people look at it because of our color, the color of our skin, we're not given equal opportunity to have that same opportunity. Because guess what? They don't want us to move in the suburbs. They don't want us to move in the better neighborhoods. And so when I say this, I'm not saying this as a, as a radical person. I'm just saying the facts is you give us an opportunity. We become better taxpaying citizens. The community gets better. The education gets better. The jail system is less important in our community and America wins. That is how you make America better. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, the, um, that, is a, that is very true. I can't agree with that more. And the reality is... Um, that if we do become fully a part of the economy, the whole place gets better. Yes, sir. And we are able to, all boats rise. It's not, it's not at the expense of somebody else. All boats rise. And that's what we got to keep in mind. My friend, we will talk soon. You just let me know if you want to do a Zoom call or whatever. Um, and uh, I, my passion and my God, the talents that God gave me, my DNA is, is, is in line with what you're trying to do. Let's, 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 let's change the world. Okay. Especially in the minority communities. All right. All day. I'm, I'm your partner on that. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you for calling my show. Money making conversation. If you want to hear any interview, just go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host.